Welcome to the Shift Podcast. This podcast was recorded on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee people. The creators of this podcast recognize that we are all treaty people and we accept our collective responsibility to each other and to reconciliation as we work towards an equitable, inclusive, and accessible campus for all. On the Shift podcast facilitated by Student Affairs, you will hear from students of diverse backgrounds about their lived experiences at Queen's, how these experiences are shaped by identity, their visions for a safer and more inclusive campus climate, and what needs to happen for there to be a meaningful and lasting culture shift. Some of the reasons why we are unable to do that and do that well is because the criteria that we're using to hire some of these folks is not as inclusive. You know, how many times I hear people pronounce like Haudenosaunee, Anishinaabe wrong, and it just, it, it hurts. <laughs> um, because something as simple as pronouncing something goes a long way. Like on a global scale, there's always things happening. So I think community healing is, is kind of what we need to be going towards. So, so what do you think that looks like at Queen's? I think more events, like what they had, like for the flag ceremony, just things like that to show, yeah, we're still here. We're still gonna be here. <laughs> Today, we'll hear from Adriana and Fatine. Please note that this episode of The Shift podcast will feature Queen's students' experiences and perceptions of campus safety and conversation about topics relating to discrimination, harassment, and residential schools. Some listeners may find this content upsetting or challenging to listen to. These are difficult topics. If you feel overwhelmed at any point while listening to this podcast or reflecting on it later, pay attention to your needs. There are resources to support you. Visit the Queen's Student Wellness website for more information. Alrighty, so Adriana, who are you? Okay, so my name is Adriana. I'm in my fourth year at Queen's. Unfortunately, it's not my last, so I'm still gonna be around for a little bit longer. Um, so yeah, I'm in my fourth year of concurrent education with the Medial and Indigenous Studies and Music. Um, and then for some of my involvement around Queens, um, this past year I was I got to work at Four Directions, the Indigenous Student Center here on campus, and I was one of the student administrative supports. So I worked at like the front desk, I helped with events, I helped wherever I was needed. Um, I'm also the Indigenous Studies co-president um, like the department student council. We didn't get to do much last year because we were hired late. So this year we hope to put on more events for people in the indigenous studies program. And I was also an indigenous peer mentor. So what I do with that is I help out like first year indigenous students, help to manage them and help them to get adjusted to like that means and post-secondary. So yeah, that's a bit about me. So what about you, Patine? Who are you? What's your involvement? <laughs> Um, I'm Fatine and I'm in my third year of commerce right now. So I work with the commerce office as an equity and engagement intern. I've been doing this since uh, post stolen by Smith. For those who do not know what stolen by Smith is, it's essentially um, back in 2020 when um, students had a lot of sessions to make about um, their experiences with Queens, specifically um, marginalized students. And uh, so, yeah, I got I got to do some really cool stuff, supporting students, supporting um, 
incoming students was really, really cool. Uh, we can talk a little bit more about those things later. Um, I also work for the Vice Provost International doing research for what the racialized student experience is going abroad on exchange and what some of those challenges might be. Other than that, I have done a couple of clubs at, at Smith, um, specifically around queer students, around being a racialized student, what identities look like, and um, beyond that, at in, in Queens, I was part of the Lavana Gender Advocacy Center board. Um, for those who don't know what that is, it's essentially one of the big um, spaces that supports students, mostly racialized students um, and queer students um, on what the experience is like at Queens. Um, that's a little bit about me. Um, what I I do want to speak a little bit more on um, why I chose Queens and then I'll pass it right back to you, Adriana. Yes, yeah, go ahead. Um, so I chose Queens, honestly, um, because honestly, it was because I did not know nearly enough about Queens as a school. So I was not aware of like the experiences that a lot of racialized students were having as someone who is a queer woman of color. I just did not know. Um, so I do wanted to address that because I think we do not speak on those experiences nearly as much, um, specifically when you're talking to students um, from a lot of low-income neighborhoods like mine in Toronto. Um, Queens never came to my school. I had to go out and seek out those opportunities for myself. But yeah, that's uh, honestly the biggest reason I chose Queens was um, I didn't know how uh, much how how difficult it might be being a racialized student here um I just Queens gave me money and and um I liked Smith because it was a prestigious school and because uh the Queens Commerce program is prestigious on a global level and the networks you create there the connections you make puts you in a really good position compared to a lot of other schools across the country and as a first-gen student, that was just so, so important to me. So that's kind of what I tell incoming students is um, when you're making those decisions. Um, yes, experiences are important, but like understand that it also opens a lot of doors. And, and so you have to essentially figure out what, what is important to you. Um, what about you, Adriana? Why did you choose Queens? Yeah, well, I'm originally from, oh, well, I'm also like Mohawk from Tandanega. So I'm, I live close to Kingston, about 45 minutes away. So I always knew of Queens because of the close proximity. Um, but I didn't really imagine myself going there. I wanted to go somewhere else. So I originally applied um, to Dalhousie for marine biology, but I actually never finished uh, my application because it was so complicated. And then by then it was like April and I still haven't applied to like post-secondary. So I was like, Queens is close. I'll just apply to Queens. <laughs> why specifically con ed it's not that like I've always wanted to be a teacher I just know there's like a lot you can do with education um and like an education degree helps prepare you in a lot of ways so um a lot of my classmates like their dream has always been a teacher and then <laughs> I always sit there like I I never wanted to be like a teacher but like now being in it and like completing placements I do like the idea so the idea is growing on me so Maybe in the future, who knows? Maybe I'll be a teacher for a little bit. Um, so you said you live close by, right? So yes. do you live at home or did you move out? So I live in Kingston, um, but because of my 
final like education year, I'll be on placement most of the time. Um, so that year I might just live at home and sacrifice or like take the hour dry <laughs> and suck it up and that way you won't have to pay rent and yeah. So. Yeah, that was a huge issue with the pandemic. Did you live at home during the pandemic? Yes, I still had my apartment <laughs> in Kingston and no one was living in it. So why didn't you just move? I, I, a lot of people did that. I never understood that. If you're paying for it, might as well go live there. It was just easier for me to live at home because like everything's like here instead of having to move everything like to Kingston with me. And also my cat is here. <laughs> I didn't want to like, I, I, I quite like being able to see my cat, which is one of the main reasons I come home every weekend is to see her and see my family. So it's just a lot easier just to stay here and not being Kingston and don't really know that many people and well in the middle of a pandemic <laughs> I don't really want to go out too much so yeah yeah that that was a that was an issue because I moved I moved back to Kingston I was there for the pandemic um honestly just because like uh being at home was a little difficult I I I love my family but I, I moved to Kingston for a reason um as a first gen student um there's uh yeah <laughs> there's just certain um you just need space sometimes so that's why that I, does I come that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um I mean it's that's why that's why you said you visit um mm -hmm. rather than stay yes <laughs> <laughs> but during the pandemic that that um it it did was very lonely especially yeah, yeah so you want to talk a bit more about your like pandemic experience what what having family support versus um the chaos of Queens was like yeah well just at home it's usually it was usually myself all day because I live in a single parent household. So my mom was at work until 4.30. So I was home by myself like all day up until like five o'clock. So I got a lot of, I found most of my schoolwork got done in that time when I had like, I was by myself and not so much in the evening when, well, it gets busier and louder. Um, so I, I personally like, like that aspect of it. So like have quiet time in the morning to get all your work done and out of the way and then have family time like in the evening and just like personal time so that way it worked out well for me because that made me have a good balance between like school life and then having <laughs> life outside of school um which I know a lot of people weren't that lucky a lot of people found it was harder for them like it was school like all the time um like had a lot of hard time managing between the two so I for me personally I think I got lucky with everything but I want to know a bit more about yours like what Kingston was like during the pandemic oof um I was lucky that like I have family here I'm a domestic student and that comes with privileges so if when Queens would shut down I got to decide whether or not I wanted to come home and a lot of people did not have that same opportunity um, other than that, it was fun. I like living alone. Um, it's exciting, especially in Queens and at like in Kingston. It's a small city. And because I live in Toronto, you go from like a lot of noise, especially from a low income neighborhood to like a little more quiet. Um, it does. There's not a lot to do, honestly, in Kingston. I wish there was more. Um, but other than that, it's it's nice. It's nice having your own space to to do um, whatever you want and that's why actually I did not like um, going back to in person because I like mm -hmm. it Kingston as like my own space I do not like being on campus yeah. I don't like when there's too many people there <laughs> yeah there's yeah. definitely a lot during the school year not so much during the summer which is yeah yeah I just yeah um specifically 
I think in my own space, I get to decide how whiteness can bleed in um, because both me and my friend and roommate were both women of color. So our home is a very traditional women of color. You are getting slippers when you walk in through that door. Um, but Queens, when you walk in, and this was, I actually really struggled to go to campus once we got back to in-person at the end of, um, like after reading week, because every time I would go, like I had an anxiety attack the first time I was going in because um, special, uh, this is all throughout Queens, but at Smith, when you walk in, there's the thing we call, it's the wall of fame. And every single person on that wall is a white old man. How is that supposed to create an environment where I feel like I can learn? Now that you mentioned that, I had a class in the law building this past semester, and I, one of my classes was in the basement. And yeah, when I walked to cl that class every day, um, yeah, just on both sides of me were like pictures of the classes. And that's one of the things I noticed too, was it was very, very white. I think, I, th I understand some of the issue is that the classes themselves were not as diverse. So therefore you cannot really put them up on the walls. But I think there are, I think we really need to look at what types of um, accomplishments you're looking for, um, the criteria to actually end up on that wall. Because I am almost sure that the criteria used to judge, to evaluate these um, candidates is not as inclusive. Um, what about you, specifically given that you're in education? Yeah, um, well, I know education's definitely come a long way than what it has been. Um, I don't really notice personally a lot of um, like Black or Indigenous or other people of color in education. Most all my classes have been taught by like white settlers. Um, so I, I would love to have like like an indigenous like education I think maybe in my fourth year or final year I think there's like very few courses of like indigenous education or um yeah I think the only ones I've noticed for some indigenous education and a lot of like teaching like English as a second language and that's about as diverse as education is that I've noticed um I know there is some accomplished Indigenous education scholars, but like you said, they're not highlighted. Their work is not emphasized or materials aren't really covered of theirs in, I know of my prof classes anyway. Um, so that's definitely something I'd like to see more of because, well, of course I like learning from a variety of people. So especially why is Indigenous materials and Indigenous knowledge not incorporated in education classrooms, which is, kind of a silly notion to me that they're not but I mean like I said yeah. it's definitely come a long way than when it has been but do you there's would, still always more would you say that um indigenous studies is is si a siloed practice at Queens well yeah, indigenous studies just this past year finally had a medial and major created before it was only a minor so uh -huh. yeah it's yeah 2020 so it started in 2021 was the beginning of the Indigenous Studies major in medial. So <laughs> that's, yeah, so um, I already know of quite a few people who are in the major in medial, which is like, I, I love it because I'm also in the medial myself, but just the fact that it's taken this long for it to be created is, yeah, yeah. Very, how do you like it? 
I, I personally love it. I love learning from like Indigenous professors. I love reading about Indigenous materials. Um, and a lot of the things we cover is like not Western ways of learning. So and we cover Indigenous ways of learning. Um, so one of the big things um, from my most recent class is like Indigenous research paradigms, like paradigms. Um, and one of the things we covered is arts-based education, which I'm a big fan of because instead of writing like 10 page essays, you can do like a creative project and you could also write about it if you want. Um, I saw, or actually one of my past classes, um, it was Indigenous Theater and Performance, which was great class, I loved it. Um, and one of the final projects one of my classmates did was makeup, um, but it was like makeup inspired by like Indigenous work. So like her um, makeup was like nice, bright and colorful. Um, and on her eyelid, she did like turtle patterning. So like it was in the shape or like the pattern of a turtle. It was amazing. And like stuff like that, I want to see more of instead of like papers where only like academics read it. That way, like with more like inclusive methods like that, like you get to see really cool things. And like, it was really good. She did an amazing job. So what would you say other Smith professors can take away from these Indigenous professors and their ways of teaching? Well, one of the main things is to include like, like articles and like essays from like Indigenous professors that are like Indigenous academics. Because even just like reading and being aware um, of other ways of knowing, other ways of learning, um, I think can go a long way. So that's something that's not really covered in like I know high school anyway, a lot of people don't take Indigenous courses in high school because they're not offered. So when they come to post-secondary institutions like Queens, it's the first time they're learning about Indigenous like issues, Indigenous practices. So just including some, even in like, especially first year classes. So people get like the experience right off the bat of, yeah, these other ways of knowing, I think be very impactful. And that's something I guess, relatively simple, I, I think anyway, um, and a great way to include Indigenous stuff in your courses. <laughs> yeah, it, that, it's funny that you mentioned that because one of the biggest things when I was, as, that I've heard from international students when I was in a focus group is that they didn't even know what a land acknowledgement was. They're not, they're literally here on a, on a they're not, they are not even, they don't know about um, the Indigenous folks in Canada. So so I think we don't do enough to um, to have those conversations. And like, we just assume everyone knows. And, and <laughs> I have a personal one to pick with that, that sentiment. Um, but talk to me a little bit more about students. You said you've worked with Indigenous students. What has that been like? What has their experiences been like? I, I, I love working with Indigenous students because it's like people like me at campus. So I... I like working with them as co-workers. I like working with them as a peer mentor, just so I can hear like what other people's experiences have been like, because um, some of them have not had as pleasant experiences as me. So especially back when like, I know the protests were going on, the what, what's so it's in, sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. <laughs> um, and like all the like train blockades and everything, um, there's a lot of passing comments made about like Indigenous peoples in general that a lot of my fellow Indigenous like students have heard. So just I guess a lot of like the racist remarks, like the like 
yeah, very, very not nice things they've heard um, that I've heard them say. And yeah, that I guess that just goes to show like some people's like ignorance about like indigenous like issues and why they do the things that they do. Um, so yeah, I think more like, yeah, education would help that. But yeah, I just, it's something different seeing like indigenous people like in indigenous spaces, just how, I guess, calming it is. Like for at Four Directions anyway, like we have the TP in the backyard. So we do a lot of like outdoor things when COVID permitted um, and like the sacred fires. And it's just nice being in an environment with like people who know and people who aren't going to like judge you or your practices and everything. So I, I one thing I would like to see is more indigenous spaces as well on campus, because the only two that I know of for sure are four directions, which is on the far east, like almost as far east as you can get of campus. And the other one's the Medicine Garden, which is on West Campus. So there's, those are like the really only two and that's, that's it. Other than like some flags you see around campus, which I think's in Smith, the Confederacy, but yeah, I believe that's in Smith. Um, yeah, other than that, you don't really see like indigenous things around campus. The other thing is like, you, you mentioned the TP. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that vandalized a couple years ago? The flags were. So okay, in front, yeah. yeah, in front of the center, they have like the Confederacy flags. Um, they have a lot of LGBTQIA plus flags and um, they were vandalized. So actually, I think it was a few weeks ago, they had a flag ceremony. So they yeah, did a little ceremony and then they hung more flags up. So that's good. Mm-hmm. That, that's how that you answered the question. I was I was going to follow up asking about because of these kind of incidents, whether it be the protests or the vandalism or the vandalism town hall where someone left that note, like things like this type of things or like just beyond in like the the international community, like on a global scale, there's always things happening. So I think community healing is is kind of what we need to be going towards. So so what do you think that looks like at Queens? Yeah, well I think more like events like what they had like for the flag ceremony just things like that to show yeah we're still here we're still going to be here (laughs) um I'd like to see more like campus-wide events so I believe I I don't remember if it was for I believe it was for September 30th so for like the residential schools um you saw like probably a lot of orange shirts around um but like more campus-wide I guess inclusion so even like more information about like Orange Shirt Day would have been nice because I know they had like some fires, they had some guest speakers, but I think it could have been better advertised um, and even sooner because I think it was quite late. So just more yeah, inclusion stuff. I, I would like to see. I'd like to see everybody participate in like things like that. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Um, <laughs> you can have events. Are people going? So how do you create buy-in? Buy-in. As in, like, as in, sorry, oh, commerce student. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> <I> apologize. <laughs> um, buy-in is how do you how do you get people to show up? Yeah, I think if it was advertised like before, um, and just more like education what it is because sure you can say Orange Shirt Day, but yeah, what is Orange Shirt Day? So like it's a 
um, it was a residential school survivor who started it. Um, when she went to residential school, she had an orange shirt. So um, orange shirt is symbolic because when you go to residential school, like everything's stripped from you. So her orange shirt was taken away. So orange shirt day is like a day to wear an orange shirt, like in remembrance and acknowledgement of what happened at the residential schools. So yeah, people just see orange shirt day or hear of orange shirt day and just like, okay, well, we're in orange shirt today, but they don't know that history. So I think if people like it'd be nice for people not to be scared to like tell the truth of what happened um especially at residential schools um and that way people will be more aware of Canada's history with Indigenous people so hopefully then when they learn more then they can understand like I guess where we come from yeah um that's fair um with the with the whole um bodies being found um, how would you say Queens has been supporting Indigenous students through that? Um, did Four Direction have supports? I know they always have supports. Um, so especially they may have like made a post on like social media and stuff. But yeah, once again, I, I this was during the summer. I was not in like school mode looking at school things. So that's fair. But also, do you think Four Directions has enough resources to be supporting all the students because that's the other thing we keep doing is like we know of like two to three big support places around Queens and we're just always like okay go there yeah no I think Queens or I'm sorry Four Directions does um because we have like our own cultural advisor cultural counselor um okay. we also have lots of elders too so we have lots of people always available um and then of course they have like resources for like external I guess like Queen's external resources so I, I believe like yeah they have a good amount of resources. I'm glad Four Directions has a lot of support. Um, one of the things on the Lovana board that we did when when the bodies were found actually is that we said we're giving Indigenous students a hundred dollars just for whatever purpose that they want and and we also do not believe in um, creating documentation like asking for a lot of different documentation to like we don't need them to make their case about why they need the money. Um, so we just like did a, gave a gave out like a, quite a bit of money and we did two rounds of that. And I just, that was extremely healing to me personally, because honestly, sometimes it's not even about like, you just got to give people the resources to do what they want to do. Sometimes it's that simple. Um, and, and the school has a lot of money. So, so if you're struggling with creating supports, how about you give students the money to create their own? Because why are why are some of these clubs that are doing great work not being given more money? Like, for instance, Yellow House, they do yes. so yeah. much work, so much work. I I don't know much um, about Yellow House. I just know they do a lot of like LGBT like QIA stuff, um, and I know Four Directions like collaborates with them a lot. Um, they had. Mm -hmm. um, like um, queer student like circle and support group and yeah I from what I know of Yellow House they do amazing things yeah the thing with Yellow House is they work they do they, they provide supports for um, racialized students and for queer students and as someone who is in both I'm going to all of their events yeah. all the time and and it's honestly it's great because it's anything from like rainbow crocheting to um, <laughs> um like movie nights um like all types of stuff. And the biggest thing I love about them is they make it extremely clear that you are not allowed in the event if you're if you're not 
queer or you're not racialized. And and there even there are certain spaces where they're like you have to be a um like non cis like you have to be transgender, gender fluid, and all that stuff to attend those events at certain events. And I I think that creates those safe spaces in Queens that we don't do nearly enough. We have all these EDII committees, but it's also like packed with so much so much um whiteness and a lot of like white perspectives. And I've heard some students say that part of the reason why that is is um we want to make space for deferring views. And, and frankly, I don't really need a white perspective on how I should be better supported at this school. Um, I can speak for myself. Um, please put, put, put indigenous and black students, um, women of color on these boards, um, gender fluid folks, hear from them. I promise you, I don't need to hear a white perspective on it. Hi everyone, my name is Kel and I work at the Yellow House, which is a center for student equity and inclusion here at Queens. Here at the Yellow House, we support students through programming and events that create spaces for BIPOC and racialized folks and spaces for 2S LGBTQ folks. Our programming focuses on joy and building community within and across these intersectional identities. My role as a sexual and gender diversity advisor at Yellow House is primarily to advise students and to design and deliver programming for 2S LGBTQ students. If you want to learn more about Yellow House and our upcoming events, we have a website and are on Instagram as Queen's Yellow House. It, it really is a different experience talking to someone um, from like your own race and culture than it is speaking to someone white. Because I find personally, when you speak to someone white, you have to explain like your culture and like your ideas, um, even though they have culture training or like culture like awareness and sensitivity. Um, it's not the same as being able to speak to someone um, with like the lived experiences that you've also had. Um, so do you think it's possible to create a truly equitable campus without white students buying in and wanting to change themselves? I, I think it's possible. Um, the rate Queens is going at now, I think it will take quite a while, but I think in the future, it would be nice not to you know, have a really white campus because I, I still find like even with everything they've done, like with the hirings for like indigenous and black professors, I know, um, even with um, like seats set aside and like programs for like indigenous and I, I believe now they have some for black students as well. Um, like I, I think it can be not a white campus. Um, and that kind of goes into what you said too, like people just don't want to come here because it's not inclusive. It's not like, yeah, it's not a safe space for everyone. So I, I think in the future, that's my hope that one day it will be a nice place to be. Um, for me, okay, do we, can we create an equitable space without buying from white students? That's a tricky question. Part of the reason why that's tricky is um, I feel like the question in its is innately um, centers whiteness, saying that we we may need like white people to like support us to get to some of these um, spaces, because why can't we have um, it's great to have allies, um, but at the center support the people that need the support first and and then worry about the rest. Um, I think that's personally like where I come from. Um, 
I I think a lot of a lot of people would disagree and they would say, well, without without because white students are the ones who hold a lot of power at the school and most of the positions of power at this university is held by white people. So without their buy-in truly, we we cannot um do nearly as much. And and that is fair. That is fair. But also these people need to be speaking to who? People like me. In, talk to students with four directions. Talk to the Black Academic Society. That's how you're going to make change. So so what do you think is like ultimately going to create a culture shift at Queens? That's a really heavy question because, yeah, like I said, it's not something that is going to be done quickly or like immediately. I just think even like more early like queens didn't come to like schools to like promote um i think if they like had like some of their like i guess like what they do with like marginalized students like international students and they included that like more in their websites and like presentations and everything i think it'd be nice for people to see the stuff they actually do um yeah um, it, it, I will. I will admit this is a very loaded question. So I'm thinking, let's let's go section by section to the different areas. So you spoke on outreach. Um, you pay students enough, they're gonna show up. And I think, um, at least I know in commerce, I think a couple of business schools are getting together and they're working towards this program where they're creating like a full ride um, for a black student. Um, I think it's it's going to be up and running next year or something. So things like that, like support the students so they can actually come here um, with money would be the and do the rest. That's on the outreach front. Um, what about academically? What would you say? Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if too many like, like academic supports because I know Queens like really has their name so like people will come to Queens for the name like on their degree like you said earlier like people come to Smith like it's not like Smith has to go to people like people come to Smith automatically um I think like course-wise more like different courses um because I mentioned earlier too I'm also in a medial and music um, and one course, one course I would love to see is anything Indigenous music related. Um, this coming year, there is like not one Indigenous music course. Um, and I just finished a course where uh, we had one class. It was about even a half a class. It was shorter than normal. And we only covered like Indigenous music for that one class that was like less than normal like or it was shorter than like, normal class so I, I was quite angry after that because I was like really we're covering indigenous music at the very end like very short um and like we had a longer we had like two classes um on like black like or sorry on like um yeah like black music so like um jazz rap like histories and everything uh, which was great I loved that but I would also like to see that done for Indigenous music, um, because Indigenous music has just as a rich of culture, but yet it's not talked about. There's no classes. And like, yeah, there's tons of music classes on um, like rap, like social history of music and stuff, which is great because I'm also going to take one next year because I, I love them. But yeah, I just like a, like more specific courses for like Indigenous studies. That's 
That's so fair. Um, for me, I'm. You mentioned this earlier about like including readings from Indigenous academics would be so huge. Mm-hmm. I'm also a personal believer of like wealth redistribution. <laughs> um, and so the biggest way for that is like it literally doesn't hurt to go out in the community and bring in a guest speaker. Yeah. There's so many cool people doing a lot of cool things. Um, bring them in for like one lecture and pay them. This is how because you you're creating space for more perspectives in one class and and I don't know why that's and it's very easy to make that happen um and the other thing academically um I I realize it sounds a little counterproductive to when I said um I don't care much about white folks at Queens um is talking to your professors some of my biggest supports at this school has actually been some of my white professors because they're truly invested in who I am and, and my potential. And they could, they put me in rooms where my name has yet to reach. And, and um, so that's the biggest thing. Um, so I feel like I feel a lot of students are scared when they hear us speak about all the difficult experiences, but I promise there's, there's good. When you find your people, at the school, that could be students, um, staff in different offices, um, and professors. Truly, truly find people who are invested in your growth because there are a lot of them. There, okay, I won't say a lot. There's there are people like that here, and um, they are willing to support you through whatever they you might need, whether that be extra support on, um, or it be like references or like to different things putting you on other opportunities that you might not know about um and and honestly you wouldn't know that unless you're still like keeping an open heart to um have these conversations with people um for me I spent so much of my first year in office hours with professors it had nothing to do with the course I was just ranting about life at Queens um so 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 it's it's important to to move with an open heart and open mind how would you, how do you think students can be better supported? How do you think we should create a culture shift physically? That's a good question too. Yeah, I, I think for physically, the main thing I want to see is more like spaces on campus. Um, I, I find there's like not a lot or they're very far. They're not like central to where like a lot of students are. Um, I know there's going to be a new residence um, and it's going to have like a little like think a little sitting area or something like indigenous themed as well like um outside of the building so like stuff like that is nice to see um but just more like welcoming areas like areas like when you walk in you don't feel like I don't belong here It'd be nice to be able to walk in and feel like you belong everywhere on campus yeah I don't here's the thing I don't think it's really that difficult to be creating these spaces it the small action steps are very, very simple and it's quick. And I think one of the reasons um, that Queens struggles to move forward on progress is because we look at these big ideas rather than like small, quick changes we could make so easily. Um, because Yellow House, for instance, has queer study space like every week. But again, they're really far out. So move that to main campus. It, it's just book off a lecture hall or something. Like It's, it's simple. Uh, um, and it's pretty straightforward. So that's, I feel like, a good place to start. And and if you make it exclusively for certain groups of people, um, then that also creates a good space. Now, um, 
at the other issue that happens is some people will say like oh like i'm 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 not indigenous so i can't like but i want to study with my friend um and and you're white well you can also do these things of um just like if you're with an indigenous person a friend you can come into those spaces so you can there's there's ways to just create um inclusive and yet safe spaces for some of these students and we honestly just have to start and and we like we'll figure it out from there but the first step is starting um it's the same with the four directions too like they have indigenous study spaces too but like you mentioned they're like far like out of campus like they're on the very end or edge of campus but um i've heard that as well like where like non-indigenous people want to come into the center of study with their friends yeah that's like totally fun like you mentioned if like your indigenous friends there like they're very welcoming and open so Say well, hello, my name is Candace Baptiste. I'm the director of the Four Directions Indigenous Student Center here at Queen's University. At 4D, we offer cultural counseling, advising, as well as events and programs for Indigenous students at Queen's, both undergrad and graduate. We hope to see you at our center located on Barry Street, where there's access to a kitchen, laundry service, and lots of study space. Take care. Yeah, so one of the challenges I have is being one of the only like Indigenous people in my classes. Um, so when I'll have professors, um, this is mainly more in like LLCU, so languages, literatures, and cultures, those classes. Um, once a professor finds out like I'm Indigenous because like, um, it's not like I'm like, hey, I'm Indigenous, but like they say something, yeah, I'll correct them. Um, so when they do find out I'm Indigenous, it's always like they look to me to teach um, like that section of like Indigenous studies that we cover, um, which I mean, that's not my job. <laughs> I'm not the professor. I'm not the one who should be teaching. Um, so I just think more or like professors need to do, I guess, I don't want to say more, but they need to do like their own. They need to be aware um, and there's not, and that there's not like one type of indigenous people, like you have like First Nations, you have Inuit, you have Métis, and then it branches further and each culture has their own specific practices and ways. Um, so yeah, I'm not saying like learn about all of them because there's a lot, but especially if you cover one um, to learn like about that specific one. So for example, like Mohawk, learn about like Mohawk practices and like, cultures if you're covering them and especially with like pronunciation um you know how many times I hear people pronounce like Haudenosaunee Anishinaabe wrong and it just it it hurts <laughs> um because something as simple as pronouncing something goes a long way um so I, I'd like to see more people learn the pronunciations um and I even had that in my one class like it's the introductory indigenous studies um, and they made like a course announcement saying that there's lots of mispronunciations like on assignments and everything. So just being aware that, yeah, they some things have like different ways of saying it. So like if you take the effort or even just like a quick Google search or something to find out the correct way to pronounce it and then practice it um, and then say it. And then also uh, there'll be a lot of people who won't even attempt to say words because they don't want to like 
offend people or they don't want to get it wrong people like to make fun of them or something I, I don't know if that's like a what people think of but um I, I would like to see is like people at least attempting like sure you may not get it right I might not get it right either but at least like I'll try I'll acknowledge that that may be wrong but I'll take the effort to try and then I'll learn the correct way to pronounce it later or like if it's a presentation, learn the correct way to pronounce it before. Um, so you don't run into those problems. But just, I guess that's one of the challenges I've, I've seen a lot anyway. I think I think here, actually you mentioned two challenges. One is they're making you the center to, to be teaching mm -hmm. and two, the whole pronunciation thing. I love that because like, that's actually one of the biggest reasons I avoid taking diversity inclusion courses um, in commerce because my level of understanding of a lot of these things is much higher. I've been working in this space for five plus years. And, and, and um, so I, I won't be learning anything in the mm -hmm. course. I will just be teaching. And that's not fair to students like us. Um, and on pronunciations, professors actually do the same thing. They don't call on students' names because of their names. And so, yeah. It's such a simple fix. Like, ask how, learn, and then, like, move on and, like, you'll know how to use the connect pronunciation so there, there's just a lot of simple things that like professors students could do but just a lot of people don't take those steps to do it how do we make a, that culture um at queens to get people to take those steps how do we like breed a culture of effort i guess yeah one of the things i, I know this is like quite a long shot and this will probably not happen in quite a long time if ever but one of the things I'd like to see is like a mandatory indigenous course because like I, I mentioned earlier as well a lot of people come to Queens and that's the first time they learn about like indigenous issues um I, I know like having mandatory courses is also not the answer but it'd be nice to have like that available or like have students take it be more or even just be more aware of it like know that there's that course um just so they can take it i've also taken like um like law 202 which is like aboriginal law i think it's called and that's um also a course where like a lot of people learn like about indigenous culture i guess so just having i guess more yeah courses with like indigenous content in it as well oh i think that's an important point um do you, is Aboriginal law taught by an Indigenous, I was, I was no. going to say, because we have a similar course and, and commerce as well. It's like reconciliation and business, and it's taught by a white woman. Yeah. Great. I love that woman. She's mm -hmm. great. That being said. Yeah, the professor too. He's great as well. Um, He acknowledges that he is like not Indigenous. It's not his face to teach and he's a settler, but uh, he's great. He's very knowledgeable as well, but he's also yeah, not an Indigenous professor. So, See, yeah. that's the thing. Uh, I would like to see some of those courses, like the professors be replaced by someone with both professional and lived experiences. I, I think like it would be nice to touch more on like the international students as well. How do we create a culture of acceptance or, or celebration or effort for international students? Well, I know like a lot of the things like they do like um, with the international students happen like on West. Like I know like for events and stuff, which I mean, is, I mean, it's nice that it's on West, but it would also be nice if it's on, like, Maine. Like, they'll have, like, events on Maine. Um, and just, like, some of the clubs, too. Like, to highlight some of the club's activities. 
um, that they do. Like I know the um, Japanese language buddies, like they had a haiku reading um, and they had like origami as well, like stuff like that, like to be like for people to know about it because like I, I didn't get to go. I would have loved to go because I love origami, but um, like stuff like that. So like people know that there's stuff like that out there at Queens, like um, even for like, yeah, non-Asian or like non-Black, non-Indigenous students to know that like they can come to, I am not speaking for them specifically, but just to know that there's like events that they can come to if they want, um, just so like people get an experience of like different cultures and just know that there's different things out there, I guess, to try lots of different things. Yeah, I think I think that's one of, I think you hit the nail on the head. One of the biggest things with Queens is there's a there's certain supports, like good supports around the, the, the campus, you just don't know about them because yeah. you don't tell students about them. So I guess we start there. How, how do we communicate some of these supports better? Yeah, I, well, I feel like the idea of like the emails. So I know like languages, literatures, and cultures when I was in that program, we get like a lot of emails about like the events like going on, which I love because like I love finding about like a lot of the neat things. Um, one of the things too, I noticed because course when you have to get to on queue or like your email you go to the queen's like homepage. um so i don't know if they have like a calendar. i think they do have a calendar option but if they make make it more like central like they put it like up near the top more um just so it's something that like i mean you'll always see if you go on to on queue um and that and another thing too i'd like to see even on like the course homepage because like i said a lot of students have to go through it um like to get to yeah, on queue and all the campus like resources and like for the library unless they have it safe but um I, I know they had um things for like black history month um but I know there's not like an indigenous history month but just to see them post more like I guess not white like accomplishments and achievements like to have more like indigenous things posted more like black like Asian like resources posted or like just to have it on like the homepage to show like the accomplishments of like people in the Queens community um it, that would be something also I'd like to see yeah that's the other thing I don't think we recognize uh, I think we're getting better at it um with those certain scholarships and like awards mm -hmm. um recognizing people that are doing this work I think that's such a huge part of um what we where we need to be um who do you think is like should be at the forefront of some of these these culture shifts yeah I think well like you mentioned earlier like marginalized people like people whose voices don't often get heard because it's very I guess whitewashed <laughs> yeah whitewashed is probably the best word so just to hear more from yeah people whose voices need to be heard I think I think it just goes back to what we said about you gotta start somewhere mm -hmm take the small steps and work your way up. Okay, Adriana, what, what would you say to your first, what is the biggest advice you want to give to your first yourself about where to find community, where to, what to expect here? 
Yeah, that that's a really good question because um, I, I do look back often on like things I would do differently in my first year. So um, one of the main things is like get involved more, like find these safe spaces. So I found four directions, I think, in my second year. Um, but I, I wish I would have went to or like went to more events, um, got to know more people like in my first year because like I well, I guess I do have some bias after working there and getting to spend lots of time there. But um, I, I wish I would have spent more time before. It's just it it really it's hard to explain like to like other people, but it's just nice like having like that space to go to uh, having people to talk to. Um, just getting to spend time in like that environment. Um, so yeah, I, I would like to get involved more. Um, and then another thing is like, don't be afraid to like call things out. So I, I was very quiet, I know, in my first year and I didn't speak out, um, especially when like people like mispronounced things, like especially because like I'm Mohawk, so if they like Mohawk words, um, I, and not that I have like very good knowledge of Mohawk, but um, just being, like, I guess not afraid to, like, call these things out, like, as you see them, because that's how you're going to make change. If you don't say anything, it doesn't get fixed. So don't be afraid to, I guess, like, put yourself out there and know that there is people here that will support you and do want to support you. So just don't be afraid to talk to people. So that's so profound. Um for me i would say so i uh, first year was a huge culture shock yeah. <laughs> if you want to speak on that yeah by all means well i'm from small town so for me kingston's the big city so I, that was a quite culture shock in itself <laughs> being like seeing that many people i guess and being around that many people so i i know you come from toronto so it was probably the opposite <laughs> for you but I was just gonna say I was like oh I, I I went from a big city to a small city that's why it was difficult <laughs> um but it, I think because you because moving away from home um plus going to like a very different space and, uh, that in itself is like challenge um but also like not finding community it feels like it, it becomes really difficult so I think um you just have to find your people. And I say that a lot, but I also never tell people how to find people. And honestly, um, it's, it's what you said. You have to, you have to get involved. Um, um, go to, go to events. Um, just literally go and talk to people. And I promise you, you will, you will find your people. Um, and once you do that, and that's not just students, um, your, your people can also be staff, can also be, um, professors. I have, have a good balance in a lot of them um it's good to have professors on your side because um and then staff um especially in upper years when you're trying to work um it's very good <laughs> um so so get involved is a huge one and and i i totally back your point on say like call things out for me i spent a huge part of my second year just calling things out so i think my advice would actually be yes call things out if you you feel strongly about it definitely do that but also recognize sometimes you do have to pick your battles mm -hmm. um because as someone who constantly called things out um and got on a lot of people's bad sides um i needed to just take us take a step back for myself um and um create your own safe space worry about that i i i 
talk, I, I spend more time taking care of myself and protecting myself rather than like constantly like try to make change within the university because I think so many what so many students like ourselves when they come here they forget um, that they are a student first before they're a student advocate so literally go to class hang out with your friends make some memories that's that's supposed to be a university experience first and foremost worry about that first um, and then you can worry about making change within the university but that's not your first job your first job is to be a young adult living your best life. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Shift Podcast. For a list of all the resources mentioned in this episode, please visit the link on the CFRC webpage for The Shift Podcast. If you have stories that you'd like to share on the Shift podcast about your experience at Queen's or have questions or comments in general, email studentexperiencessurvey at queensu.ca.